take your Bible to Psalm 139. And this is so cool because I was telling them the whole Bible is saturated with this issue. The whole Bible has answers. And uh, you'll get outlines as they come in. But I want to... I want to walk through this. This is powerful because I want you guys to get that the Word of God, according to Hebrews 4.12, you guys know this verse power, very well, that the Word of God is powerful. And as much as we can be lost, as much as we can be confused, it doesn't matter that I'm firmly believed one way or the other, I'm firmly lost. If somebody comes up and says, I'm an atheist, you'll never convince me, I am this or I am that, let me tell you, the Bible, according to this, the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful. You know what that means? The Word of God is alive. It's not just a book. It literally means that when it's spoken, the Word of God is alive. He comes, He sits, He speaks in your ear, and He tells you and talks to your heart and soul in a way that nobody can. That's what that word, verse means. It's quick, it's alive, and it's powerful. It can change people in a way that you can't. That is why this is our biggest greatest weapon that we have and our greatest defense and not always just arguing and holding up signs and screaming in people's face. God wants us to reach people. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the dividing of soul and spirit. Literally mean piercing. You sit there and say, man, I've got this person. They'll never listen. They'll never change. And God says, watch what I do. The word of God is why we teach it. It literally goes and it, it, it cuts to the part that you can't reach. You say, I can't reach them. It's what the Bible does of cutting to the soul and spirit in a way that your words and lectures cannot do. And that's what he's saying. Now, listen, it's a discerner. The word discerner means a judge. Literally mean that God steps into the heart and begins to tell them this is not right. It's a discerner. He's a judge. He declares what's right and wrong. Uh, of the thoughts and intents of the what? The heart. That, that, that is the whole subject of this. Salvation is about the heart. And when people sit there and say, I feel this way, or I think this way, or whatever, God says, wait, wait a minute, watch what I can do when I can step into their heart. I want to, we're, we're in Psalms. I didn't want to take away from that. So we're going we're gonna to go through Psalms because that's what we're doing on Sunday night. Talking about introducing them to Jesus, speaking to the heart. God says, this is what I do. Psalm 139, verse 1, and then we'll get into the questions, but I, I, I want to do a little Bible study first with us. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and know me. Do you know how powerful that is when you have somebody that says, you'll never understand what I'm going through. You'll never understand what I think. You'll never understand these feelings, these urges, and all that I have. And let me say, we're not just dividing this into homosexual, lesbian, gay, whatever. Let's just put it across the spectrum right now. People that are in this room that struggle with all sorts of sins, all sorts of sins, guarantee you in this room, there's married men right now that say, I have strong affections for a woman at work. I, I, I struggle with pornography. I have an issue with anger. I, 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 and it's all over the spectrum. So, so don't, don't just lay this on this one sin. But he says, thou hast searched me and you know me. For God to say that I know your heart, I know what you, I understand you. Thou knowest my downsittings and my uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. He knows your struggles. He knows your feelings. How awesome is that that we can tell somebody, God knows how you feel. Amen. Say, Pastor Tony, or whatever your name is, and that person is, you don't know 
But God does. Amen. So powerful for, uh, for us to see this in there. Thou compasses my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. He knows what you're into. He knows what you're dabbling in. He knows your, your, your desires. There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou, thou beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. God knows you and God gets you and God is with you. He said, you, you know where I'm at. You're behind it. All this other stuff and the hand of God is upon him. The, the presence of God. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. For thou hast possessed my reins. My reins is figuratively, literally meaning my, my, my mind. God controls the, literally the direction the same way that a bit is in the horse, his mouth, and it controls. He said, you control my inner man. He, he's saying this. He says, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. This is the outward man. He, he said, I will praise thee. Literally changing, he says, man, when I have finally found someone that knows me and gets me and feels my pain and knows what I'm going through, he, they will step back and say in all. Just like I was talking about this morning with, with Elijah is how we can sit there and chant and say, and they're cutting themselves. But when they saw the presence and the power of God fall, they came back and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They experienced God in that moment. I will praise thee. You know why? Because they get this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully mean, made literally means distinguished. To put a difference, to show marvelous, to separate, to set apart. To where they sit there, just like I was talking about this morning. It's like, now I know why I am the way that I am. I find my identity in Jesus Christ. Amen. And in, in a way that you cannot find anywhere else in the world. I get while I'm made this way, and I get why I struggle in this way. I will praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are thy works. Now listen to this, that my soul knoweth right well. When we say it is well with my soul, it's the same phrasing there. It is peace in my heart. There is satisfaction in my whole heart. When you realize, when you get to that place where you say, I get it, I am made by you. You know me, you know my struggles, you help me on the inside. Then all of a sudden it puts your heart at peace. I'm going to make a comment that I am not saying cocky whatsoever, but I'm going to make this. I do not struggle at all with my sexual identity. Because when I accepted Jesus Christ, I have an understanding of who I am while I'm here, my purpose, my objective every day. I wake up with a clear objective of who I am and what I'm doing. There, there's a peace and a satisfaction. Now you take that away. We just explain where the world is. Anxiety and frustration, and I, I know I went through a lot of that this morning. I, I, I just wanted to lay that out there. It was something that I wanted to say this morning about the fearfully and wonderfully made and the identity that we have in Christ. So I'm going to get into this. I did not get to go as deep in all these questions as I would like, literally just because I got the questions at like one, and I'm standing before you at six. Okay, so, so here we go. Is homosexuality, uh, homosexuality a greater sin? Does God uh, say that this sin of homosexuality is, is, is greater or worse than other sins? Now, I, going into this, this has been one of those things that people have asked in the past. And there's a couple reasons for that. And, and I've heard that even growing up. He says, well, that's a different type of sin with it. One thing that we have to do is we have to bring everything back to Scripture, because a lot of times you say, well, why do you say that? Well, I don't know. That's kind of what I heard growing up. 
There's a couple of reasons that people say that. Number one, dealing with what the Bible says about a reprobate mind. And number two, when it says that it's an abomination. So those are two phrases that are often associated with this. So if you get that sin, you also have those terminology. So let's look at this, starting with the reprobate mind. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So that's saying that God, they blocked out God in their minds. They did not retain God in their minds. Literally, they got there and they began to run and do their own thing. They, they turned their back on God. So in a sense of saying, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm going to do my own thing. And God said, go for it. God gave them over to their desire. And a reprobate mind means this. It's not approved. They're rejecting God. They're rejecting morality. They're casting away what they knew to be right. It's, it's reprobate. It's unapproved. It doesn't go along with what God is saying. It's stepping out of righteousness. You know how we put the Bible there and says we line ourselves up with the word of God and this is how we're going to live. They sit there and they go this way and God let them. Now, it's the same thing with the prodigal son. You've got to understand that God gave us a free will and the fact that God does not force us to love, love him, but God's given us a free will to love him. And at the beginning of it, you've got to understand Romans is like this love story. Man, that's, that's why I brought you to Romans 5 where it says, let me tell you how bad it got. And then at the end, but God commended his love towards us in that while you were Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans 3. Did you get it? That, that's what he was saying. It, there's a reason that this sin and everything in there is in Romans 1 because God was saying, listen, what I did for you, I, I didn't just skip over the tough stuff. I paid for everything. It's what he was saying, that those things were not convenient, those things which were not proper or disgraceful. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a question. What were those things that were not convenient? You stand up and say, homosexuality. True, because the verses said that. But that's the thing that we have a problem with is we stop reading. Notice this, Romans 1.28, the second part, do those things which are not convenient. Did you notice that it has a semicolon that follows? And then it goes into a list. What are those things that God gave them over to that they had the mind to run and do their, what they wanted to? Here it is, verse 29, keep reading being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit. It, it, it goes all the way through. Haters of God, despiters, proud, boasters, inventors, disobedient to parents. It's, it, honestly, the next verse even goes further than that. And, and the, the thing that God let them run into, it wasn't just homosexuality. It was a whole list of sins. Because we have a problem where we pick and choose to, the, the pull verses out and put them in people's faces, and then we skip the things that apply to us. Because if we were to go through there and talk about disobedient to parents, you know, if we were to sit there and say proud, then we sit there and say, yes, but homosexuality. And God says, well, did you not see 29? Did you, did you skip that? You know, do you have white out when you write, read your Bible? And it keeps going. The point is turning them over to reprobate mind is that they were rejecting the righteousness of God, being filled with all unrighteousness. They, they literally just ran off in their sin. That's what he was saying that they did, meaning that God allowed them to run in the wrong direction. That's why the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. We've run out. We've done our own way. Romans 3 goes into a lot of that description. 
that, that, it, that uh, it says how far we've gotten things. So reprobate mind was not directed only to sin of homosexuality. It doesn't mean that they were written off by God or that they've gone too far. It was literally just saying that they took on a mindset to do that which was contrary to the word of God. But then there's a second word, which what is an abomination? And so we got into that in Ezekiel 16.49 where it mentioned the sin of abomination. An abomination is something that means disgusting, morally disgusting. Uh, there, there's a phrase, there's sin, and then sometimes the Bible throws in an abomination that literally goes against or it causes a disgust against God. But once again, if you throw out the word homosexuality, the Christian's going to stand up and go, it's an abomination. I mean, instantly, they're going to follow up and not come back and say, you are right. The Bible does say that that sin is an abomination. You know why? Because these things are all things that, dis- that are disgusting because they hurt us and they go against God. It is sin, but it is forgivable. It is sin, but it does not mean that God has turned his back on us. Now, the truth is there are consequences. And you know what? In uh, Proverbs, uh, look at this, Proverbs 6.16. You want to talk about homosexuality being an abomination? Let me read something else to you since we like skipping verses. These six things that the Lord hates. Yes, seven are a what? Abomination. Proud look, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that divides wicked imaginations, feet that are swift to run to mischief, a, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that does soweth discord among the brethren. I'll, I'll be honest. It means that we have some abominations happening in our hallways on Sunday morning. But it's funny how we're so quick to judge those sins and not point the finger at ourselves. I think that's part of the problem because when you, there's a verse that Jesus was saying about judge not and all that other stuff. That's another message for another time. But he also says in there, he says, the best thing that you guys could do is take the beam out of your own eye before you start worrying about the speck in somebody else's. And I'm not saying my lying is a beam and their, their homosexuality is a speck, but I'm going to say that we're quick to point out the sins of others other than our own sin. It's just the truth. So we get to this. and Now, are there greater consequences? Yes, there are. This sin attacks the foundation of mankind and attacks what God said was good. Man, woman, marriage. Now think about this. Man, woman, marriage is what makes up the home. You think about that. It's not just a sin, and I'm, I'm not judging sin. I'm just saying when Satan does something, he's sitting there going, oh, I'm going to go right for the foundation. That's what he's doing. Because if mom doesn't know that she is, uh, and there's a lot of examples of that, uh, of you know, our sexual identity, our marriage, and everything else, that, that, because then you take the home, and the church is built upon the home. I mean, not the church is built upon Jesus Christ, but the church is people, it's families. So there is. Satan is definitely attacking the foundation. Why does homosexuality be, uh, seem to be singled out as a big sin? Should it be different than, than the other sins, like gossiping, lying, gluttony, and stuff like that? Because sin is anything that goes against God, okay? 
So we, we sit there and realize that when it's mentioned in the Bible, it's mentioned with other sins, but we try to overlook them. This is kind of the same thing, but I wanted to throw this in there with you guys, and I'm going to be really cautious with the time because I've got a, lot, a whole lot to show you guys and go through this. Okay, when we look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, look at Ezekiel 16, 49, and it says in there, the fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. Uh, the Bible talks about that they neglected the poor and needy, they were haughty, they were, and, and also abomination. But it seems like when we want to say that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, we want to bring out one sin and not the others. But the Bible made it very clear that there was other sins. And I'm not saying that it wasn't because of homosexuality, because the Bible said that the sin was grievous, brought them to a boiling point. That's all they did was continually sin with this. And, and then we go back to the same verse of Proverbs 6, 6, uh, 16. And the Lord said, there's other things that are an abomination. Are you worried about those? And in the example that the person gave in the question is, why is it in the church that we are so quick to talk about homosexuality but not gluttony? Because we're having nachos tonight, and I don't want to hear it, okay? <laughs> Guys, let, just for the sake of illustration, look right there. Look right there. It, that is a tower of, uh, of muffins that were donated to the church. And I've got a feeling that's what we're going to indulge in in there. But, you know, it's amazing how we, we, want, we want to talk about the things that other people are doing and not that. But one of the difficulties of this is why it is pointed out is because this is one of the sins that is not only prevalent, it's celebrated. And it does make a difference with this. We don't have parades for lying. You know what I'm saying? We, we, don't, we don't have... Uh, thievery month, you know, it's like just this, we're going to celebrate thieves this month, you know, or celebrate rapists or whatever, we don't, but this is one sin that God says is a sin, just like everything else, but our society has gone out and said we're going to celebrate it, and that is why it becomes like more uh, attention, because it is, it is pointed to, it's lifted up, our, our, literally our White House at some point was literally colored in those colors, and it stirs up something inside of us, and it should when it does that, it's in your face, and other sins are not like this. Let's go to another question. Can a homosexual be saved? Sure. I've had it like this. And there's two points of this question. Number one, can they be saved or can they accept Jesus Christ as a personal Savior? Because of the fact is if the people have had the mindset if they were turned over to a reprobate mind, then they can't. Or if God said that they've gone too far. And yet we see the passage that I pointed out as my last point this morning where he listed out the list of sins, and he says, and such were some of you. The only way that you were that and are no longer that, and he says, but you are washed, you are sanctified, and you are redeemed, literally means is because the blood of Jesus Christ has changed you. And in that list was homosexuality and effeminate, which is talking about transgender or cross-dressing and those types of sins like that. So yes, a homosexual can be saved. Now, you say, what about the you know, unpardonable sin and things like that? I'm not getting into all that. But if anybody rejects the Spirit of God, that, that is a sin that can't be forgiven. It's a, it's a sin of rejecting Jesus Christ, rejecting the Holy Spirit working in your life. But I want to focus more on the question, can you be homosexual and be saved? That, that is the question right here. So I asked you, what does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? What does one have to do to be saved? When you sit there and say, and a Christian's, I say, well, if I'm sitting down, it's the first thing I'd say, you have to admit that you're a sinner. Now, just let these things come into your mind as we're talking about this. You have to admit 
that you're lost. You can't be saved without first being lost. You have to admit that you are a sinner. You have to admit that you're wrong. Let me prove this. 1 John 1.8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know what I'm saying? You sit there and talk to anybody that says, well, this is what the Bible says. That's not me. I'm okay. Well, listen, you're not going to cry out to a God for salvation to be saved from something you don't know that you're lost in. Does that make sense? Sure. You, you have to be lost. You, you have to acknowledge that we're lost. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I haven't sinned. Well, <laughs> in your mind, you haven't fallen short of the glory of God. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His Word is not in us. It means His Word has bounced off. Literally, is, is a, it goes strikes to the heart. It means, and the Bible says this about salvation. I'm just explaining what salvation is. Right? And you guys realize I'm explaining the given the answer without almost just directly giving the answer. Acts 3.19, and this is through the Bible and through the gospel, it says, repent, ye therefore and be converted of your sins. The word repent literally means a change in direction. I'm helping you guys out with something right there. So in all of our lives, it does not mean that you won't struggle with sin. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of people that get saved and they turn around and there's a desire, and I'll explain this here in a minute, there's a desire that meaning that I'm lost, but I want God. You know, that, that's it. But I, I'm telling you, I have people that have been saved and literally, like in their discipleship process, come up to me and thanked me for the message that I preached and give me about four curse words in the middle of it, saying, that was a blankety-blank great message. And I'm like, I don't know what to say to that. You know, it's just like, they're still struggling with that. I, I, I had my uncle got saved, and he got saved out, out of a lifestyle. And you guys can judge. I'm just talking, right? I'm just telling you the truth. About my uncle got saved, saved, saved. I know. My uncle Lyle. And he got called to preach, and God transitioned. And there's a picture of my uncle with a joint in one hand, a beer in this hand, at a Bible study. <laughs> He's saying, that can't be. You got to understand, God saved him in his desires. He turned around and repented, and God was totally changing. He didn't even understand. And, and I, I heard Unshackled, if you guys have ever heard that, a guy giving his testimony about the fact that he got saved and he wanted to do everything right. He was a drug dealer, and he tied the tenth of all his drug money to God. He's <laughs> like, praise God, we need that guy in our church. Amen. Right? Like, and, and you say, what, what is your point of that? I, I'm saying when you get saved, it's just not a matter of you just walk out and you're sparkling clean, okay? The, 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 because there, there's this sanctification process that God pulls you out of that miry clit, uh, pit. Inwardly, I am made righteous, I am made clean, I stand before God. But I'll tell you, that old man is with us, and God's constantly like that chisel going around, conforming you into the image of God. Amen. But it's a heart Thing. Do you guys hear that? A lot of the other questions that I'm going to drive to, it's a matter of the heart. The heart. With the heart, man believes under righteousness. Amen. The heart. So here it is. Romans 10.10. For with the heart, man believes unto what? Righteousness. Righteousness. So with my desires of my heart, I believe or I desire what? Righteousness. 
I know we say these verses a lot, but I don't know if we break them down to really say what they're talking about. With the heart, man wants what is right. It's inward. Now, he's going to be climbing out of that pit and learning every single day and getting under conviction. And my mom and my dad were saved out of a pit and smoking weed and smoking cigarettes and cussing and everything else. And they tell me their story all the time about how God changed them, changed them, changed them. Because that he that begun a good work will continue it. Man, God just keeps working. And let me tell you, God does not stop doing that. So here's the thing. You must admit that you're a sinner. You must have the desire to make things right. That is why he says, if you confess your sins. We still have the old man. We still struggle. Romans 7 talks about uh, to do what is right is in me, but how to perform and I find not. And I find out that I end up struggling doing the wrong things, but I want to do the right things. But there's still the point there that there's a desire in the heart to do what is right. You're getting it. There must be a desire to do what is right. Because he says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that is in you. God steps into your life. And let me tell you, with any sin right now, you cannot have the dwelling of the Spirit of God in your life and living sin and not have conviction. You can't. You can't. You can't. Because the word, the Spirit of God literally is inside of you. He dwells inside of you. That's why I, I'm nervous all the time about this, guys. When people say, I go to church to be with God. I, I don't like that phrase. Because God is in you, which means He's in your car, He's in your house, He's in your job, He's down the street. He's wherever you are. Amen. So if you have the mindset that you're stepping into God's living room and then you say goodbye to Him, you've lost the concept of God living inside of you, which also means that He's with you when you're doing wrong. He's with you when you're lusting. He's with you when you're sinning. And God's not okay with it. Conviction begins to come. Something comes over you. This is not right. He said, I know that we're going to struggle with sin even after we're saved. He said, seeing that we have this sin that so easily besets us, it could be anger or pride or greed or lust or homosexual urges. To be saved out of that lifestyle and go in there and, and struggle. And I've known people that were saved out of drugs that had relapses. I've known people that were saved out of alcohol that had relapses. I know people that were saved, Christians and pastors that have had affairs. Because your flesh is still with you and that old man still desires. But if God is not pulling you back and there's no conviction inside of there, something is missing. You guys hear me? Something's missing. That's why he said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to ask you, can you be homosexual and be saved? You can be saved and struggle with any sin, including homosexuality. You cannot be saved without repentance, and you cannot be saved if you don't have a change of heart or a change of direction, because that means you did not repent. And that is talking about this sin that's talking about a lot of sins. Now I'm going to warn you right now, you don't know people's hearts. Amen. I say that across, and it's like, well, they're not saved. The only one. And I know the Bible says you shall know them by their fruits, but I also know that people that have fallen astray, and I could tell you story after story that people have fallen in sin and gotten way back into things. What should we teach our kids? I'm going to tell you right now, they are after our kids. That's right. And in a, in a, in a deep way, this is where I put on the boxing gloves, okay? 
This is not me putting on the boxing glove saying, go show me a gay person. That's not it at all. But there's, there's the prince and the power of the air that's working behind these things to work out wickedness and abominations and lifting up that which is evil. One of our moms that is probably here right now came to me and told me a story two weeks ago about how she was in a mom's group here in Columbus, Ohio, and they don't have any men in there for the protection of the kids inside this mom's group. And this mom said that they put out an announcement that they were hiring and paying a drag queen, a male dressed up like a woman, to come in and read them educational books about transgender. You say, well, what is that? Well, we're talking about toddlers here, okay? You talk about confusion and going after them and indoctrination. This is what we're... So, and people have said, so what do, we, what do we do? Here, let me give you some things. And I could have made a whole series out of this right here. Number one, you have to live out the right example at home. Well, and this is what I was talking about this morning in a lot of these ways. And it, when you go to a bank and you study or you work for a bank, they don't show you all the counterfeit money. They teach you what an original looks like so that when you come across the counterfeit, you know it's wrong. And that is the same thing with Christianity. If kids grow up in a home where mom and dad are living righteous and they see what is right and they see that it works, remember, that why, why does God call it wrong? Because it doesn't work. They did the mind, the body, all that other stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So when we have Christian homes that line up with the word of God, it will work. And they're going to see and covet and want something good and real and wholesome. Show them peace and joy in a, in a loving relationship. Guys, how dare we have homes that are claimed to be Christians and our kids want to get out, get out, get out. And I'm not just joking. Some kids want to run. They can't wait to turn 18 to get away from you. You sit there and say, what are they going to do? And you sit there, this is the word of God and it works. Man, they haven't seen it work, so why would they want it themselves? Don't be fake, be real, but show them what God's love, love, uh, love looks like in a relationship. Number two, don't put them in a bubble. This is not saying that we should not, not protect them, but for every opportunity that we have, we need to teach our kids. Do you understand? Don't make them grow up in a world that they don't think that it's happening. Because I tell you, they know a lot more than you think that they know. They are indoctrinated. This is why the Bible says, train up a child and the way he should go. That's not just talking about going to church, but talking about what is right and what is wrong. This is why church is so vital, that they go to some place that is around. I'm going to get in this, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, when it talks about don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Do you know what the last phrase of that verse is? And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know why? We need this room right here. What's going on? And our kids need it, and we need it, and we sit there, and we're so busy with everything else in the world that we don't make a priority of the Word of God. Something's wrong with that. Use every opportunity to teach them. You know, I didn't have my kids with me this, this past week. Uh, but uh, uh, the staff and us, for, for, we went overnight to go to Pittsburgh. And here I'm walking, and there's a woman in front of me. It was a man in front of me. I didn't know. And then just completely a dude dressed up like a girl. And I'm telling you, our kids are going to see that all the time. Every single time, it's an opportunity to teach them. That's why Deuteronomy says, he said, I command you, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, when thou sittest in the house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou, again, all these different things, we teach them, teach them, teach them. And let me tell you, teaching them does not mean there goes a homo. Did you guys hear me? 
that is not teaching them right from wrong. That, that is the same way as saying, there goes a liar, there goes a thief, there goes whatever. No, sit there and explain to them what is wrong with it and what is right. We need to teach them this. I remember my parents doing this. When I was a kid, this was not as prevalent as it is now, but when I was a kid, the show Will and Grace is really that broke the scene when it came to this. It was a comedy. Don't, don't be surprised that it was a comedy because all of a sudden people are laughing at sin. And they made it funny. They made it funny. It wasn't just funny that they, they were gay and they were doing funny things. The funny things they were doing was all gay related. You know what had happened? It was that, that, that frog in the boiling water. After time, they're like, I know it's wrong, but it sure is funny. I love to watch that thing. And I remember my mom and dad saying, you're not watching that show. Why, mom, it's so funny. Everybody's watching and things like that. Let me explain why. God did not mean for man to be with man. It goes against God. And you know what? It wasn't like a, a lecture and a PowerPoint or whatever. It was a teaching moment because something that came up. Do you know what? We grew up not watching that show because my parents explained why it was wrong. Beware of the battle that is around our kids. Be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the, the, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He is after them, getting them to question. This is, let me tell you, this does not scratch the surface of the agenda. It does not scratch the surface. I could spend hours telling you guys more and more. When I was a youth pastor 12 years ago, I had a parent that came to me to talk to me 12 years ago. Let me tell you, the world is flipped 10 times over in 12 years. I had a parent that came to me and then said that in their school, they were passing out these brochures about, are you questioning? Are you confused? They said that the kids that were going to talk to the counselors were influenced like this. And this is the question that they gave teenagers, okay? Junior hires, 12, 13 boy, uh, years old. The question was, this year, right from these teens to my ears, okay? This isn't like hearsay. I saw it on the internet or whatever. Talking to boys. Do you ever get nervous talking to girls? Yes. Do you ever get sweaty, worried? Do you ever feel like you're getting rejected? Yes. Do you ever feel like maybe they don't like you? Yes. Then there's a good chance that you're gay. No joke whatsoever. Rather than saying, he's 13. <laughs> he's going, there, there's the flood of emotions. Being rejected and confused and all, all that other stuff is just being 13, okay? But that's what we have to do. We have got to speak up to speak truth because I tell you, to be honest, thing about it is we have got this thing to where we're so afraid to talk about this stuff. And the world is screaming it. Screaming it. Guys, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, this is, this is crazy. It's 6.53 right now, and I'm not even halfway done. Not even halfway done. There is so much to this issue, but I have got to tell you something. There, I, I want to cover about how, how do you love people and not condone the sin? People have asked me deep questions about going to gay weddings. Should we or should we not? How do, how do we help them? How do we love them? How do you, how do you love somebody and not condone the sin? This whole statement that love is love is wrong. Amen. 
Let me tell you, God defines love. God is love. So if God is love, everything that is truly love has to line up with God. If you were there to take that statement and indoctrinate our nation that says love is love, and by the way, they don't mean love is love because we believe in one sense love is love, that I should love everybody, including my enemies. But that's not what they mean. Sex is sex. That's what it is. I can have sex with whoever I want Because I'm not saying not to love everybody. We should love everybody. But here's the crazy thing with this, and I'll just tell you how dangerous this type of thinking is. If I, don't, if I sit there and say love is whatever you put in that second thing, that could be an animal, a child, a sister. I'm not trying to be gross. I'm telling you what's, what's on the horizon with stuff right now. There is organizations pushing and saying, why should we have a limit that we cannot uh, be a pedophile and all, all that other stuff? I mean, it is crazy. I, 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 I have to. Guys, let me say, I'm not going to be sitting there walking to the church, you know, talking about gay and homosexual all the time, whatever. But I'm telling you, we're stepping into a new era. Okay? And the church cannot be quiet. Right. We have to know how to speak. We have to know how to stand. And I have to, I have to end it on this one thing. And I am apologizing a hundred times over because I tell you, there, there's so many questions, and I gave you some notes, but I take it your notes are not going to do it. But I, I've got to give you the idea of why I'm going into my next sermon series that I'm about to start preaching, okay? So here's where we're at, and I've wondered this. What is next? What is next? Now, the Bible says this, perilous times will come. And I've grown up wondering what that is. You know what I'm saying? People have said they're going to say that you can't preach Jesus Christ being the only way. And they're going to tell you that you can, you know, and it's controversial. They're going to take your Bibles away and all that other stuff. I don't believe any of that's the way that's going to happen. You ready for it? This is, this is what's going to happen. So the Bible talks about the, the difficult times that are going to come. And if you want to kind of go to the end of your notes, and like I said, we will go back to this because there's so many things. And you know what? I'm kind of glad because... I was really going to run through and tap so many things on the head. But the Bible says this, that, but first there, there, there must suffer many things. I'm going to ask you guys a question. If that's end times and everybody's saying, we're living in the last days and things, we don't know. There's signs of this. So I'm going to throw this out at there. If we're living in last days, are you ready to suffer? <laughs> it's like, um, No. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to suffer. I don't know if I'm ready and be rejected of this generation, Luke 17, 25. And he's talking about the coming of Christ in the last days as it was in the days of Noah. So shall the son of man be. They did eat and drink and married and given to marriage. And they were just living a life. As in the days of Lot, they did eat and drink and, and all these other things. There. And it says, and then God brought down the judgment of death. And he said, this is what it will be like in that day. We have always thought about the persecution, but I'm telling you, we are. This is not futuristic. What I'm about to tell you guys and close this out is happening right now. How many of you are familiar with the Equality Act? Raise your hand if you already know what the Equality Act is. If it's passed, and I put this in your notes, okay, this is, this is what it is. Churches would be forced to host same-sex ceremonies. 
He said, no, it's in our Constitution. You understand that the bill takes all religious freedom away to sit there and say it's discrimination. The same way that we could not say that we don't let Asians use our bathrooms or we have black and white water fountains and crazy things like that. So we would never do that. You're right. They're going to make that equal like that. Let me keep reading. Religious adoption agency would force them to put the kids in uh, same sex. Church of religious organizations could take overnight trips and make them sleep with each other. Biological men would have access to bathrooms, showers, nursing rooms, all those other things. They would be forced to hire staff if they wanted to or not. Or you say, well, we have the right not to, but they have the right to come back and, and sue us for discrimination. You understand? It's not just re no religious freedom. We no longer have that platform. That's what's being taken away. Cross-dressers could uh, demand to be greeters, ushers, Sunday school teachers. Uh, all these types of things would be there because of this. You say, so what would we do? What would we do? So you, you understand. You understand where we're at. You say, what would we do? We do right. Amen. We do right. It doesn't matter. And, and I know that's easy to say now, but that is why we, we, we step back at times like this. We come together as a church. We come together as a community. We come together founding ourselves on the Word of God. We come together to preach about what I'm going to preach about next week. We come together to understand. And, and this is it. We can't give in. And let me say, when the Bible says this in 2 Thessalonians 2.1, Now beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the gathering together that you soon be not shaken in mind or troubled, neither in spirit nor in word, nor by letter from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, that they day shall not come, except there become a great falling away, except there come a falling away first. How will there be a falling away first? Until there is a law that passed and said, here's what it is. Your pastors will go to jail if you do this. You, 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 can, you have to let them into your restrooms. You have to let them into your nurseries. You have to, have to, have to, all these things. You have to do this. And when I stand up and say, I'm not doing that, all of a sudden we're going to be no different than other nations where all of a sudden your pastors and teachers and leaders are going to jail. And, and you'll break me out. Thank you. That's what this meeting's about. <laughs> Go get chainsaws and hacksaws and really bake that cake, you know, like they have in the cartoons. But I'm telling you, there'll be itching ears that sit there and say, well, we don't really believe that the Bible says that. And there's going to be more and more and more churches just saying, we just want to love people. We just want to do what's right and all this other stuff. This is not a Democratic, Republican, Independent, please, please, Please put that out of your mind. I'm trying to preach right and wrong. Amen. Equality, top priority. Equality Act, top priority. Latest, Biden tells crowd, Equality Act is top priority. Joe Biden, my first presidential would be to advance LGBT, the Equality Act. This isn't just down the road, maybe this could happen. This is coming in like a freight train. This is the next election, and this could be to where we are deciding in the near future which one of us is going to jail. 
You think I'm crazy. You think I'm not trying to, do you know why I do this to such a way where I'm showing news clips from our local station that happened last week? It's because I'm not trying to embellish it, get all people worked up and scared running. I'm just trying to give you guys facts of what this is. And like I said, I'm not, this isn't an Obama, Trump, Biden, you know, it's not, stop that. We serve Jesus Christ, number one. That is what we do. Jesus Christ, number one. I'm not going to be afraid to talk about what's happening and right wrong because I'm afraid of touching on toes or stepping on toes of, of that kind of stuff. We're far beyond that. Grow up. Amen. We have got to, to stand up for what is right and wrong. So I tell you guys, there's so much to this. But it goes so much deeper than love is love. This goes so much deeper than kids and cartoons that they're making for our kids and stuff. This this is, this is going to be, this could be literally the coming of Christ knocking on the door. Amen. And when the Bible says that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, this could be the very thing that, that just comes out at us. And I'm not afraid because I know that God stands with us. I know that. But at the same time, stand firm. Amen. You guys ready? Stand firm. Amen. And this does not mean, trust me, those articles and everything that it did does not mean that I'm going to sit up and get mad at the homosexual movement. They need us. And Satan will just stir that, to stir our hearts up and say, they're against you, they're going to shut you down, they're going to cause opposition and make us hate them back. Hate is not of God. Amen. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't hate or despise the sin that is behind it, but we have got to stand up for what's right, we've got to speak the truth in love, and we've got to move forward as a church.